Father which art in heaven. Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever. chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. One day the voice of a frantic young woman called out a mayday across the pilot's radio communication channel. Hello? Hello? Is, is anybody out there? My pilot has died. He's had a heart attack and I don't know how to fly. And soon came the reply of a calming voice over the radio saying this. This is air traffic control and I hear you loud and clear. I will talk you through this and get you back to the ground. Everything will be fine. What is your height and position? She replied, I'm 5'4 and I'm in the front seat. And after a long pause, came the voice back. Okay, now repeat after me. Our Father who art in heaven. <laughs> See how practical the Lord's prayer is? Well, today, we move to things that are indeed everyday, earthly, practical, all right? So, so far as we've walked through the Lord's Prayer here, these petitions Jesus has taught us to pray have primarily been focused on the Father, right? That the Father's name would be hallowed, that the Father's will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. And, of course, we benefit from those, right? But not directly, right? It's more indirectly that we benefit from those prayers being answered. All right, it's more to God's benefit, not, not his needs, because he needs nothing, but to his benefit. But as we continue going forward here in, in our Pray This Way series, Jesus teaches us this morning to turn our praying now to both our needs, and we begin to directly benefit. Beloved, if you don't know this already, we are incredibly needy, amen? We are incredibly needy, and God is so benevolent. Glory to God. Look here with me at the text. Matthew chapter 6. We're going to look at verse 9 and then skip to verse 11 and 12. Here's what the Word of God said. Jesus said this. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven. Now skip to verse 11. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. Let's pray together. Father, we come to this passage, God, and we thank you for the example that Jesus Christ has given us. He has taught us how to pray, and I pray that we would grow as prayers today. God, as we think about the practical needs of our life, you are not aloof. You are with us. You care for us. And God, we love you because 
because you first loved us. And so we come to you today, God. I want to pray also for the person here this morning, particularly who's never turned from sin and trusted Christ. We pray that they would receive and experience both things, God, that they would seek you for both things here, their daily bread, but also their daily forgiveness that springs forth into eternity. Father, if there's a person here who's never trusted Christ, would you work in their heart today by the power of the Holy Spirit to draw them, to call them and to draw them to Christ that they might be saved today. We ask all of this in the strong name of Jesus and all God's people said, amen, amen. Well, here's today's truth. As you think about this text, here's what I want you to walk out of here with, and it's this. We should be unashamed in asking God to give us our daily needs i heard somebody say not our greeds but our needs and we should be unashamed in asking god for these needs but let's be honest there are times in our life when we're reluctant to ask god for what we need sometimes we're even ashamed that we even have to ask you feel like you should be able to just do it all by yourself or or maybe you kind of picture it this way like i I don't want to bother him with such minute with such trivial details i still remember the conversation that i had with an older lady as she lay in a hospital bed at greenview medical center in bowling green um she did not attend my campus uh where i pastored but she was at our other campus and so she was a member of eastwood baptist church and we as pastors took a day uh, out of the week each day to go and visit hospitals. And so it was my day to go and, and talk with her and to meet with her and to encourage her there in her hospital bed. And after I engaged her in some conversation, I asked her, like I always do when I visit someone in the hospital, may I pray with you? May I pray over you? May I pray for you? And her response kind of caught me off guard. Typically folks say, especially church folks say, yeah, please, man, pray for me that I would get out of here, that I would get better. But that's not what she said. She said, oh, look, thank you, but I don't want to bother the Lord with what's going on in my life. And that kind of took me aback. It it shocked me, it surprised me. And and in a loving way, I, I rebuked her. I didn't say, rebuke you in the name of Jesus. But I said, now, sister, listen, I appreciate that sounds very humble, but the Lord has invited to come to him and to ask and i want to gently rebuke anybody here today with similar thinking because it very well might be that there are some here in the in the worship center today or or watching online you're you're afraid that you're going to bother the lord now look you got to understand the lord loves when you come to him when you come to him with what's going on in your life what you're feeling what you're facing what you need And he loves to commune with you, but he also loves to meet those needs. That's why over and over again, God points us to prayer. Think about it this way. In one sense, you are commanded to pray. It's not an option for the Christian. You are commanded to pray. 1 Thessalonians 5.17 says, pray without ceasing. James 5.16 says, therefore, confess your sins one to another and pray for one another these are commandments from god philippians 4 6 says don't be anxious about anything but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving here here's the command let your requests be made known 
to God. So we're commanded to pray. By whom? By God. But not only that, we're urged to pray. For instance, take, take 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1. 1 Timothy 2, 1. It says, first of all, then, I urge you. This is the Apostle Paul here. This is our brother in Christ. Urging, he says, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people. And so we're urged. And we're encouraged to never give up in praying. Consider Colossians 4, 2, where it says, Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. So we're commanded to pray, we're urged to pray, we're encouraged to never give up in praying. But we're not just invited to pray. Think about this. We are invited to boldly and unashamedly come to God and ask for stuff. To ask for stuff. Consider Mark eleven twenty four. Mark eleven twenty four. Jesus said, Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe you've received it. And it'll be yours. That's a boldness that we can go to God with. Whatever, look, whatever you ask in prayer, believe you received it, and, and, and it'll be yours. Think about Matthew 7, 7, for instance. Ask. This is the invitation from God. Ask, and it'll be given to you. Seek, and you'll find. Knock, and it'll be opened. So we can boldly come to God. We can ask audacious things from God. 1 John 5, verse 14 and 15, we can come with confidence, it says. And this is the confidence we have toward Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests that we have asked of Him. So, beloved, I say this morning to you, what do you need? Don't be ashamed to go to God for your needs. Let's ask this, let's go even a step further. What do you want? Under the direction of the Holy Spirit, God doesn't just supply your needs, but He supplies things that sometimes you want to. Now, He's always going to give you your needs. But we also are given some of those things that, that we want as well. And so over and over again, the Father invites us to pray whether it's little or big, whether it's simple or audacious, whether it's the first time in a long time that you've asked for something, or if you just asked five minutes ago. Our Father says, pray to me, ask of me. You're not bothering me. You're not wearing me out. You cannot wear me out, the Father says. You're not exhausting me. Doesn't it get exhausting sometimes as a parent when your kid just keeps asking and asking because you're like, I've only got so much money. I've only got so much time. I've only got so much energy. But God says, you cannot exhaust me. He is the God who is infinite. Ask of me. Ask of me. Ask of me. That's the heart of our Heavenly Father. Therefore, we should take to heart what the Holy Spirit said through James, the brother of Jesus in James 4.2, right at the end of that verse, where he says, you do not have... Because you do not ask. So we should be unashamed in asking God to give us our daily needs. 
And here in the Lord's Prayer, Jesus teaches us to pray and ask for two particular needs, two spheres that we ask God for, but he uses those spheres, he, uh, those spheres, he, uh, spheres, yeah. <laughs> he, he, he represents those by two things, bread and forgiveness. That's the title of this morning's message, Bread and Forgiveness. So first this morning, he invites us to unashamedly come to him and ask the Father to supply your daily physical needs, especially bread. Let me say that again. That's the first point this morning. Ask the Father to supply your daily physical needs, especially bread. Now look at verse 9 and 11. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, give us this day our daily what a simple request, right? Oftentimes, one of the reasons we're intimidated by prayer is that we think we have to be so eloquent. We think we have to pile up words and impress God. Our most gracious heavenly Father. Well, we got to get a prayer voice on. But no, it's very simple. Lord, would you give me bread? Would you give me bread? What a simple request. What a, a basic request. In fact, y'all, here's the deal. It, it's so simple and basic that several notable Christian leaders in church history have struggled to take this verse at face value. Men like the great theologian and Bible scholar Jerome from the 4th and 5th centuries who, who translated and produced the first Latin translation of the Bible commonly referred to as the Vulgate. He struggled with taking this on at face value. Men like the scholar Erasmus from the 15th and 16th century, even the early church father, St. Augustine, who is considered to be one of the greatest theologians in the history of the church, they all struggled to see bread in this text as really bread. And so what did they do? Well, they, they spiritualized it. Surely Jesus was talking about something more important than just bread. Perhaps he's talking about the Lord's Supper. Perhaps he's talking about the, 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 the bread of the Word of God. In fact, when Jerome translated the word daily from Greek into Latin, he translated it with the Latin adjective superstantialum. Give us this day our superstantial bread. In other words, give me bread that transcends bread. He couldn't just see it for what it was. One commentator wrote about Erasmus, that he reckons it impossible when we come into the presence of God Christ would enjoin us to make mention of food. Beloved, but that's exactly what Jesus is teaching us to pray for here. Our Heavenly Father is not just concerned about our spiritual needs because you and I are not just spiritual. He's concerned about our physical needs, even the most basic needs, which is food. And even the most basic of foods, which is bread. Every day when you and I wake up, we are reminded that we need something outside of ourselves. Every day when we wake up, our bellies are growling, they're pinching because we need food to fill it so that we might go and live on. Can you just imagine for a moment if God had created you where you didn't need to eat? Think about how much time you would save. Think about how much money you would save if you didn't have to go buy groceries and, and order food and pay for food. Just imagine how long a preacher could preach on Sunday if you didn't have to go to the pig. You know what I'm saying? 
I mean, you consider all of those things, but that's not how God saw fit to create us. He has created us as dependent creatures. We need something outside of ourselves. And every meal is a reminder of that. And that most basic thing that we need is bread. Yeah, I mean, we need more than bread, and I hope I get more than bread. But bread is our most basic and here Jesus reminds us to ask God for even that. And the Bible here says we don't just need bread, we need it daily. Now, as I see Jesus here teaching us to pray for daily bread, I can't help but think about the daily bread that God provided for the children of Israel. In the wilderness as he led them from Egypt to the promised land. Do you guys remember there in, in Acts, uh, actually in Exodus 16? Exodus 16, verses 1 through 5, it says, the, the children of Israel set out from Elam. And all the congregation of people of Israel came to the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai, on the 15th day of the second month after they departed from the land of Egypt. And the whole congregation of people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the people of Israel said to them, Would that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt. When we sat by the meat pots and ate bread to the full. For you brought us into this wilderness to kill the whole assembly with hunger. And God in his grace responded. He told, he told Moses, he said, behold, I'm about to rain bread from heaven for you. And the people shall go out and gather a day's portion every day that I may test them. And whenever they will walk in my law or will they not? On the sixth day, when they prepare what they bring in, it'll be twice as much as they gather daily. Beloved, this bread that was going to rain from heaven, it, it was called manna. Now, here's the cool thing. Manna doesn't mean bread. Manna means, what is it? <laughs> That's literally what manna means. We're not really sure what it was like exactly, all right? It was, it was almost like a wafer, but nevertheless, it was bread from heaven, and it was good for only one day. And if they kept it past the day, it would rot, and it would stink, and it would draw maggots and flies and worms and all these nasty things. But God provided for them every single day. Bread from heaven, not just to fill their bellies, but to grow their faith and to grow their trust in Him. You see, y'all, physical bread, physical bread, it, it's not just a physical need. It's also a psychological need. It's a psychological need. And here's a story to prove that. Immediately after World War II, the Allied armies, they gathered up several tons of hungry children who had, who had been orphaned through the war and were homeless. And they brought these children together, placed them in large camps, and there the children, they, they were abundantly fed and cared for. They had everything that they needed. But they began to find out that at night, these children couldn't sleep well. They seemed restless. They seemed afraid. And finally, a, psycholo a, a, a psychologist, he hit on a solution. After the children were put to bed, they each received a slice of bread. Now, if they wanted more to eat, they could eat it, but, but this slice of bread that they were given was not to be eaten. It was just to hold. And like most children go to sleep at night holding a teddy bear, or holding a blankie, these children would go to bed at night 
holding a slice of bread and it produced marvelous results the children could go to sleep subconsciously feeling that that they would have something to eat tomorrow and that assurance gave the child a calm it gave him a peaceful rest and here jesus in essence is giving us our daily slice of bread he's telling us he's teaching us to ask god for that daily manna from heaven to do everything that we need physically and here's the good news god will provide y'all do y'all believe that god will provide he's so faithful Sometimes he does it miraculously. Some of y'all could stand up and give testimony of how God has miraculously, you don't know how he did it, but he did it. He supplied your needs. Maybe it was that check that showed up in the mailbox that you had no idea was coming. Or maybe it was that, that anonymous person who left groceries on your doorstep. Or maybe it was that person that bought your meal at the restaurant that you looked around and said, who was that? But they were gone. Somehow, some way. God provided miraculously it seems but here's the deal he often provides simply the opportunity amen and when we ask God to give you your daily needs it's not like you expect to just walk out and just pick up the manna no he provides you the opportunity to go out and and to work and to purchase the bread but however he does it in his grace and his goodness he supplies our every need every therefore here's the deal we don't have to be anxious we don't have to be anxious like those little orphan children were in in war-torn europe no we ask and the father supplies just as jesus told us he would in matthew 6 for instance verse 23 uh, 25 through 32 there matthew 6 25 through 32 the scripture says here jesus is speaking therefore i tell you don't be anxious about your life what you'll eat or what you'll drink nor about your body these are all physical needs right what, what you'll put on is not life more than food and the body more than clothing look at the birds of the air they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns and yet your heavenly father feeds them are you not of more value than they and of which of you being anxious can add a single hour to his span of life and why are you anxious about clothing consider the lilies of the field how they grow they neither toil nor spin Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today's alive and tomorrow's thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, don't be anxious, saying, What will we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things, And your heavenly Father, listen to this, knows that you need them all. So beloved, these physical things that we're invited to pray for, God already already knows you need them, yet in your asking, God will supply. He'll supply your daily physical needs, especially bread, so we should be unashamed. God, I'm needy, and you have all that I need. Would you supply? But secondly, this morning, you see, we're more than just a physical being. We're a spiritual being as well. Therefore, Jesus teaches us to pray for something more, which leads us to our second point this morning, which is this. Ask the Father to supply your daily 
spiritual needs, especially forgiveness. Now, no doubt about it, you and I are, are flesh and bone, but we're more than flesh and bone, praise God. There is an immaterial part of you, and along with that flesh and bone, you are also spirit or soul. Either way, spirit or soul, whichever way you want to say it or whichever way your Bible translates it, there is an immaterial part of you that coincides with that material, that physical part of you. And just like your body has needs, so does your soul. And so that's where Jesus turns to next. And he hits on our greatest spiritual need. In fact, I would argue that it is our greatest need, period. It is our greatest need, period. But it's certainly our greatest spiritual need. Now, we could list several spiritual needs. The need to belong. The need to feel secure. The need to feel loved. I mean, many, many, many more. But these are not your greatest spiritual need. So what is it? Well, Jesus tells us right here in verse 9 and 12. Look at verse 9 and 12 again. Jesus said, pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. So there it is. There's our greatest spiritual need. It is forgiveness. Now you and I, are sinners we've sinned we've fallen short of the glory of god we've broken god's law and often when we break the law we incur a fine right have you ever been fined for speeding you ever been fined for for um uh, uh, forgetting to return your library book for instance that that's a fine they give you a a fine did y'all know that george washington <laughs> in his first presidential term he borrowed the book the Law of Nations by Emmerich Van Battle from the historic New York Society Library, October 5th, 1789, and he never returned it. Never, ever. And the library never brought it up. I mean, I mean who's going to go say, George, give us our book back? I mean, he just helped start the nation, right? But he never took it back. And for the next 221 years, it sat on the shelf at Washington's Virginia home until in 2010 when Mount Vernon the staff there they finally sent it back and as you can imagine the library was surprised when they got it but the overdue book it piqued the curiosity of those who received it what do y'all think the fine would be and so the head librarian there he set out to calculate it and guess what number it came to adjusted for inflation George Washington owed the library a fine of nearly $300,000. Now, fortunately, the librarian, he, he graciously decided to forgive that fine. Amen. But notice here, go back to the text. Notice that Jesus didn't say, forgive us our fines. That's not what he said. He says, forgive us our fines debts forgive us our debts aphalema in the greek aphalema you see when you and i sin we don't incur a fine we incur a debt you see a fine it, it's, it's an imposed financial punishment for for doing something we should not have done but a debt a debt touches on an obligation it's something that we owe 
And so if I go down to the bank and I borrow $10,000, I'm now obligated to pay that back, right? I'm obligated. I owe the bank $10,000 plus interest. That is my debt. But we don't just incur a debt when we borrow money. Think about this, for instance. We, <laughs> we experience this every year, right? When we, when we file taxes. The federal law says that we owe a percentage of our income to the government. And if we don't pay them, guess what? <laughs> they come in for their money, right? Because we owe it to them. How many of you guys remember actor Wesley Snipes? Oh my goodness, man. That dude earned $38 million from 1999 to 2006, but he never filed a single tax return. And eventually the IRS caught up to him and they sent him a bill. $7 million. And he couldn't pay it. He couldn't pay it. And so what did he do? He went to prison three years. But y'all, that's essentially how our sin debt works. We owe God our obedience. We owe God our worship, and when we don't give Him what we owe Him, we incur a debt, and that debt just builds up and up and up, and, and, and we're unable to pay it back. And since there's no way to pay it back with our living, the only recourse is to pay it back with our death. That's why Romans 6.23 says it this way. For the wages of sin is death. You can't pay that debt back by living. It's too big of a debt. Even if it's one sin, too big of a debt. The only way to pay it is to die. That's what our sin deserves. But again, that's the only way for us to make that payment. We must pay with our death. And if you thought paying the IRS was rough, dude... This is bad. Now, perhaps when it comes to this prayer here, you're used to saying, forgive us our trespasses. How many of you guys memorize the Lord's Prayer that way? Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. That's not what the text says. Where did that come from? Well, that actually came from the book of common prayer in England. That's where that phrase became kind of put into history there. But again, the Greek word here is aphalema, which is debts, trespasses. It's a different word, paratama. It's used three times, just, just a little bit later. Look at verse 14 and 15 there in your Bible. You see trespass, trespass, trespass. But here in the actual Lord's Prayer, the word is debt. And debt is what you and I should say. Because a debt is a financial term. And so is forgiveness. Forgiveness is a financial term. And here's the amazing thing. Jesus implies in the Lord's Prayer, look, you can't pay it back, but you can be forgiven. You can't pay it back, but you can be forgiven. To be forgiven is to have your debts canceled. That sounds pretty good, right? How many of y'all got some debts you'd like to have canceled? Yeah, amen, man. I love the thought of that. But here's the deal. Forgiveness, while free to the one being forgiven, it's never actually free. Somebody has to bear the cost. Either the person who the debt's owed or the person who owes the debt. And so in this case here, either God is robbed of his glory or you and I absorb the debt with our death. Which one sounds good to you? God is robbed of his glory 
or we die. Which one sounds better? Neither, right? I mean, that's the right answer. Neither sounds good. God should not be robbed of his glory. And here's the deal. He will not be. He will not be robbed of his glory. In fact, it would be unjust for God to allow himself to be robbed of his glory. And while you and I could bear the cost of our debt, man, that's, a, that's an awful thought. You see, to bear the weight of our sin debt means living death in hell forever. Now, that's an option, but not one that I like, and I know you don't either. So neither one of those are good options. Neither one of those are good news. But here's the astonishing thing, y'all. God came up with another way so that God would not be robbed of his glory and we would not be racked with paying off our debt forevermore in hell. God came to pay the debt for us. Jesus Christ, God the Son, he came and he took on flesh, he lived the life that we cannot live, and he died the death that we deserve. And in doing so, he paid our debt. Do you remember on the cross when Jesus said, it is finished what redemption that's when god took that stamp and said boom paid in full our sins were paid for and in doing so god not only showed himself to be just but the justifier that's what apostle paul says in romans 3 25 and 26 speaking about jesus whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness. He is righteous. He's just. Because in his, defi uh, his divine forbearance, he had passed over sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Problem solved. God is not robbed and we are not racked. God remains just because sin was paid for and man escapes death because we've been forgiven. Amen. Praise God, man. That is your greatest need. Look, I know that, that you feel the pressing need in your body is to eat. And you need to eat. But your greatest need is to be forgiven. And so i got to ask this morning, have you been forgiven your sin debt you can be by turning from sin and trusting in christ trusting in his life death his his resurrection and until you do your sin debt clock just keeps ticking just keeps turning over like the odometer on your car just keeps racking up or maybe like if you go down to new york city and you can find the U.S. government debt clock. Have y'all ever heard of that? Did y'all know that the debt clock, right now, click, 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 it's just like an odometer. It's up to $32 trillion. I just looked at it this morning. $32 trillion that our government is in debt for. How many of y'all think that's a lot of money? <laughs> you better believe it is. But listen to me. Here's what you need to see this morning. Your sin debt and my sin debt are way higher than that. My sin debt and your sin debt 
are way higher because we have sinned against an infinite God. Therefore, our sin has incurred an infinite debt. And so your only hope, listen to me, your only hope is to be forgiven by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. And so either you will pay your debt or Jesus paid your debt. Which one will it be? Which one will it be? I pray that everybody on the sound of my voice would ask God unashamedly to meet your spiritual needs, your daily spiritual needs, especially the need of forgiveness. Jesus said, pray this way, Matthew 6, 9, 11, and 12. Again, our Father in heaven, give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts, as we have also forgiven our debtors. Jesus has taught us to be unashamed, unashamed in asking God to give us our daily needs. Ask for those physical needs. Give me bread, Lord. But also ask the Lord for your daily spiritual needs. And most of all there, God, give me Here's my final prayer this morning. May the Father in His goodness and grace supply your every need.